I am fascinated, intrigued, and honored you may have done what they said you did, but they are magnificent, marvelous. We need to know that you're okay just the way you are. Molded you as a child. What you've been through matters. This podcast is designed for you. Love on a mission in a world where human experience is lacking. My name is Ginger Wilk, and we're here to talk about that which matters. Welcome to That Which Matters. I'm excited that this is season two of this podcast, and um, I am so grateful for every one of you who have been listening to the episodes and giving me five-star reviews. Um, That is my hope that uh, this podcast, more than anything, will just reach so many different places and impact so many different people that may never walk into a church or um, sign up for a book that would give self-help guidance or just tidbits of wisdom over these life lessons. My goal is to really just have it reach all different places. I know right now that it's in Mexico and I've heard about it being in Europe and I've heard about it being in a variety of places and reaching a variety of people who would probably not all come together in the same room together because they're so different and diverse from one another. And I love that because that's really my heart. And um, I thank you for allowing me to establish trust and for you to progressively move through the episodes and to make a decision about whether or not this is helpful for you and It's very practical wisdom that has just come from a lot of experience, like I told you, from working in the social service field, uh, in the criminal justice field, the pastoral care arena. And just from all of those experiences, it's put together a lot of different areas that have really screamed out needing some attention that I think that everybody can benefit from. And so that's where these topics have come from. And what I want to do in this first episode of the second season is to really just do a a review of some of the things that we have learned and what we have gone through. And I do encourage you to go back to season one and listen to episodes that you may have missed. But I just want to remind you the entire point of me doing this is that I declared that I am fascinated with humans, that I have met with all sorts of people from all different cultures and creeds and um, different places that they have been brought up in, different countries, and I just never stop being amazed at how diverse and beautiful and resilient humans are. I believe that people have been through a lot of things. I think that it has been minimized, some of the difficult circumstances that people have been faced with. I don't think that we've given it enough credit for the fact that there are some people that are living in neighborhoods where they're hearing gunshots going off all the time in their neighborhoods, fearful of playing outside or letting their kids play outside, Um, that there are people who have been in abusive relationships and are having such a hard time getting out of them that struggle with not being uh, treated the way that they deserve to be treated. I think it's been minimized how children have a tremendous amount of pressure on them these days. They're very, very anxious, afraid of what's to come. They've lived through all sorts of tragedies and uh, natural disasters and worldwide events that are so severe and they're dealing with a tremendous amount of anxiety. There are young adults who are 
fighting to be able to convince themselves that they're worthy of having an independent life because of all of the pressures that are on them in their particular age bracket. People have gone through a lot, um, not to mention what we've just lived through with COVID and so forth and so on. This world right now is uh, very, very difficult to process what has been going on, what we're up against, the things that we're hearing about. In my lifetime, I've never seen something like I have right now. And we need hope. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast, because I really wanted to bring hope where I could and to acknowledge that people need encouragement. They don't need to be torn down. They don't need to be discriminated against. They don't need to be put into categories. They don't need to be continually mistreated and looked at as if they're less than than human because of whatever reason you fill in the blank. There's a lot of hate out there. There's a lot of division. And I want to bring back the concept of how important human beings are. And so that's what motivated me to do all of this. And so I started out by laying a foundation and then I went into the episode on Crooked Nose, which is about the power of words. And I just want to reiterate how important it is that we watch what we say. This is not about curse words and so forth and so on. Those are filler words for the most part. Sure, could people live without some of them? Yeah, but for the most part, it's not curse words that's the problem. It's labels and name calling that are problematic. Those are the things that cause people to... Uh, go to bed at night with a feeling of insecurity and pain. Those are the things that people spend their lives trying to undo or to relabel because of what's been spoken over them. We can say to somebody that, you know, you know, you, you should have, you know, done this and gotten this grade in, in class, or you should have been able to achieve this on your report card. That's one thing that's venting. Another thing is to say, you're so stupid, right? One is talking about behavior and maybe that's not the best way to approach it, but the other one is naming somebody, right? Putting a label on them. And so we talked about how important it is that we take a look at some of the names that we've been called, some of the things that have been said about us and that we just reverse that. We talked about the biblical examples of how um, Peter was named first, he was named Simon when he was with Jesus, which basically means to be heard, and that's the way he lived his life was just, you know, hear me. I'm going to speak up and say this. I need to be the center of attention. And God, Jesus, renamed him to Peter. You are the rock on which the church will be built. So he went from I need to be heard to being a foundational stone in the church. And that was a reversal that took place. And we all can have reversals. Whatever we've been called, if we've been called a loser or stupid or ugly or, you know, fat or too skinny, you know, it doesn't really matter whether the word sounds like someone could even be called beautiful, but with the tone, oh, you're so beautiful with the tone or the way somebody says it, it's negative. So the connotation that's behind it is just as important as the actual word. And I want you to be free from words that have been spoken over you as a child. You don't have to be that name anymore. I mean, don't change your formal name, but you can disassociate from the meaning and you can disassociate from the words that were spoken over you. I am not ugly. I am not a loser. I am not stupid. I am not... Um, you know, obese or whatever it is. I'm not, you know, 
um, too black or too white or too skinny or too long or whatever it is, whatever negative things have been spoken, I am the way that God created me to be. And whatever I am with or without my imperfections, I'm enough and I am valued the way that I am. And so that episode really talks about being able to remove those things. I use the example of Naomi in the book of Ruth and how her name, Naomi, is a beautiful name that means pleasant. And she changed it to Mara, which means bitter, after she went through the multiple deaths in her family. And then she changed it back again to Naomi. And so some of us, our names have changed because of difficult situations. Maybe we've been in a really unhealthy relationship and, and that, that partner would call us something. And maybe it wasn't something negative, but maybe it was just, you know, a nickname like, um, Pookie. I always use this as an example. I don't know that anybody's goes by that nickname anymore, but let's just say they would call you Pookie and it was meant to be a, you know, kind of like a pet name, but you know that that name Pookie is associated with that relationship that is very negative and abusive. And so, you know what? You have the right to say, I don't want to be called Pookie anymore. That's it. You know, this is my name and this is what I'm going to answer to. You have the right to do that. And I believe that you should stand up for yourself and you should go back and reverse the things that have been spoken over you negatively. And not only that, think about the things that you've spoken over people. I've had feedback from people about that episode and how they were reminded of things that they said to people that they had to acknowledge and reverse. My sister even told me that when we were little, she remembers me calling her fat as a house. And I was mortified when she told me that because it just broke my heart. I don't have any memory of that whatsoever. But when she did bring it up to me recently this summer, I apologized to her profusely because my heart was broken thinking that I had put that on her even though I was so small that I don't even remember doing so. And so I believe people are starting to do some very good self-assessing through these episodes that they're listening to. We also talked about shame. My knees are bleeding. I use the example of how I, you know, went to this huge meeting that I was invited to and was such a big deal. And I thought about it for weeks. And as I was exiting my car, I, I fell, tripped on a rock, went face forward and cut my, my knees and my hands and, Sure enough, I went to the bathroom and got myself together temporarily, stuffed my knees with paper towels and sat there at this huge conference table with these big wigs and underneath the table, my knees were bleeding. And we talked about the fact that that's what it's like when we have shame in our lives, that we can be, we can sit at some tremendous tables with some amazing people around us. We can have great advances in our lives and in the midst of it all, we can be in a situation where something makes us feel like we're not worthy that, you know, shame says there's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. And we talked about the gentleman who had lost his job and was driving around for days on end in a suit and a tie and leaving in the morning and telling his wife that he was going to work, but yet he was really just hiding from the fact that he had lost his job and it ended up driving him into a place of drinking and becoming an alcoholic because of that shame. And so we talked about being able to take a look at where shame is in our particular lives because it'll attach to other events that are negative. The shame factor is the thing that attaches to it and it will contaminate 
recovery. That's one of the quotes I said. Shame tries to contaminate recovery. So in the areas where we're getting better, shame comes in and tries to make mincemeat out of that. We also talked about mentorship, finding people in our lives who have mentored us and going to them and being able to thank them for the things that they have done in their lives. I was just speaking with somebody this morning and he was saying that he still remembers his third grade teacher and the work that she put into him as he was transitioning from one school to the other. And he said, I still talk to her today. And um, little does she know that she became a mentor in his mind when he talks about the stuff that he does in life and how he has excelled in life. He remembers her. She became a mentor in his life. And so I encouraged you to think about people who've imparted to you and to thank them, to go and to thank them for the things that they have done. But also I encouraged you to be thinking about how you can impart to other people, how you can take an area that you're good at, something that you do well, something that you know that is so you know, second nature to you and to be able to help other people because there are people out there that are drowning in this area of their lives where they are feeling like they just can't make heads or tails out of this particular exercise or assignment or season of life that they're going into. And for you, it's a no brainer. And if we start to think about that and to help one another, it's going to change the loneliness that we feel when we're trying to move into these places of our lives that are difficult and scary for us and, and to really just realize that we're on this earth for more than just our own successes. At the end of the day, we're going to leave this place, whether we're, you know, 96 or whatever age we are, we're going to leave the earth. And, um, we have to think about what we leave behind. Certainly whatever, you know, earthly treasures are there, are going to be settled in some sort of an estate and are not really going to make much of a difference. But if we leave our wisdom and our impartation and our hope, uh, there, there will be generations of people after us that will carry on in the vision that we have brought into our lives. And I remember my husband, at one point he was volunteering at a kind of like a senior center and the volunteer coordinator had asked him to work with some of the males that were there because they weren't socializing. And so my husband can talk to anybody. And so he went and sat with a different, you know, probably two or three different men. And there was one male who was like in his nineties and they really hit it off. And this man was a teacher for many, many, many years. He was a teacher, and then I believe he was a principal or something very, very passionate about education, now in his 90s. And my husband was in the midst of transitioning from one career to the other, trying to figure out what he wanted to do next. And this man just spoke to him about what it would be like to work with young kids and how important it, it would be and even though my husband, you know, doesn't have a teaching degree, he was in a totally different career path in his life, but he talked about the treasures of working with children and told one story after another. My husband ended up moving on and working in a residential treatment facility with autistic children. And he will always remember this man who had passed away about probably a few months after that. He will always remember that this man inspired him to go into a completely new career that he's actually really good at for somebody that wasn't in that career path before. But as a result of that, not only did he encourage 
my husband to go in this career path, but my husband talked to him, this man about God, because this man didn't know much about God. And my husband began to talk to him about, you know, you're going to go and you're going to see God face to face and it's going to be beautiful and all of your pain and all of your sadness and all of the things that you mourn for, the child that you lost, you're going to see again. And he began to paint this picture of heaven and God and to basically usher him, you know, into this realm of understanding that there is a heaven to come. And, you know, with tears in his eyes, this man received this. And so that relationship didn't last long, but it was so divine because they imparted to one another. They mentored one another in the areas that they were strong. And it's a really beautiful story. We also talked about relationships and how important relationships are, how the most important decision that you make in your life, other than, you know, in believing in God is the partner that you decide to grow old with. It is very imperative that you make the right decision. And, and people who have made wrong decisions will tell you that it is very dismal when you're with the wrong person. And I'm sure that most people have had experiences, I have as well, with unhealthy relationships. And you can see how much that will, you know, color your life in a, in a very dismal way. But when you're with the right person, that person is going to inspire you. That person is going to encourage you to be everything that you can be. That person is going to make you laugh. That person is going to talk to you about the things that are important to them. There's going to be all types of intimacy in that relationship. You can share emotional intimacy. You can um, enjoy the arts together, or you can enjoy intellectual conversations together. Like you're going to, you're going to have a connection that's much deeper than anything that's physical and much deeper than anything that's spiritual. It's not, it's not enough to just connect with someone because you both have the same faith. It is important, but if that's all you have, I'm telling you, that's going to be very, very short of giving you the fulfillment that you really need in that relationship because you have to connect more than on a spiritual level and being in the right relationship you will be able to see how you will soar, how your life will change and their lives will change for the better. But in the wrong relationship, it goes opposite. It causes pain. It causes confusion. Other family members notice there are red flags all over the place. And, you know, I encouraged everybody to not be afraid to be alone. And this wasn't me saying, you know, you should be alone for the rest of your life. But what I was really saying is, don't be afraid to declare a season of singleness over your life so that you can regroup and you can make for darn sure that when you do have a relationship, it's the right one. A lot of people, they say they've been alone or they've been single for a long time, but that what it really means is that they're pursuing all the time and they just haven't hit. That's different. I'm saying put an end to the pursuit, put an end to, you know, the, the dating apps and the fix ups and the, you know, trying to make things happen, put an end to it. Give yourself the time to really think about this. It's a big decision. If you were going to be starting a business of some sort, you're not going to just jump right into it and, you know, pay cash and take the keys and start a business. You're going to have to have a plan. And you're going to have to make for darn sure by what you look at that it's the right direction to go in. And so what I'm telling you is a relationship is something that you shouldn't rush into. And most of what I've seen where relationships have gone awry is when people have jumped into them way too quickly and when people haven't really understood their worth. And so they have settled for something that is not, I'm not saying they settled for a person that's, 
a loser or anything like that, because God knows I'm not going to say that after my whole lecture about words, but they settled for somebody who's not willing to treat them or not at the place to treat them the way that they deserve to be treated. They're not whole enough. They're not ready enough. They have too many issues. But for some reason, when you and that person come together, it's not the relationship that you deserve and your friends and family members will see it. And even if you can't, even your children will see it. And so it's real important to take that pause. And then we talked about hope. We talked about how important it is that we have hope, even if our hope is broader than what we originally thought. We talked about the whole scripture about Elisha and how Elisha would go and visit the Shunanite woman and he told her that she was going to have a son. That episode is called, I have no child and my husband is old. And I want you, if you haven't listened to that already, please do listen to it because it's really all about her story, but it's about the fact that when she was finally told that she was going to have a son, it wasn't met with this excitement. It was met with a very strong negative reaction. Why? Because she had been disappointed for so long. She was old and for so long she would not get pregnant over and over and over again. And that's what it's like for us. Hope deferred makes the heart sick when we're waiting for something and we have to wait and wait and wait and it doesn't come and it doesn't come. We can become embittered. And when someone says to you, this is going to happen, you know, you just want to bite their heads off because disappointment is a lot easier to sit with and hope when you've been through all of this. And so I encourage you to look at what is the date of the funeral of your hope? In other words, what was the event? that caused you to not hope anymore, to put hope to rest, because that's what you have to go back to so that you can resurrect hope in your life. But to understand that God is going to bless you with the things that you desire, but they might look different than what you think they're going to look like. And that's okay. Um, it may not look exactly the way you think, but it's okay because hope is there. And I've been amazed at how people have had beautiful things happen in their lives, but it's just looked a little bit different than what they thought. And I love how God is a creative God. And then we talked about dreams, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that there were dreams early on in our lives that as a young child, we began to just explore. We showed signs of those dreams when we were young, but people came along and they were dream killers. They may not have meant to be dream killers, but by things that they said or the ways that they reacted or the obstacles that they attached to very simple, carefree dreams, they were shut down. And so I encouraged you to go back go back to that age in your life or go back to that time and begin to think about those dreams and begin to resurrect the ones that really have legs to them. I mean, sometimes it's, it's just exploration. We're exploring things, but we're getting somewhere, right? You know, we might want to be a runway model when we're, you know, four, but at the end of the day, maybe that's going to lead to something, to something to maybe fashion, a, you know, a, a career in fashion. And like I said, dreams don't have to reach into some sort of a career path. Dreams can be expressed and lived out even on the side, even in hobbies or things that we do, you know, in other aspects of our lives or after retirement or whatever the case may be. But if we try to stuff it into a career, there's a whole bunch of people right now that are commuting to work from work or whatever that are thinking to themselves, well, my definitely my dream wasn't this place that I'm going to or coming back from. And I want to tell you that you can 
live out those dreams. Like I said, you know, they may fall asleep, but don't let them go into a coma. So dreams are really, really important. And then we talked about unhealthy communities, whether it's in the religious world or whether it's just in general. And there were lots of tidbits of information given as to how to protect yourself from falling into an unhealthy community. Because like we mentioned, you are worthy of being valued. You are worthy of having significance and being seen as a significant, worthy human. And uh, when you're in a bad relationship, that gets compounded with a lot of issues. Your worth is going to be rocked. And if you're in a bad community or a community that's unhealthy, your self-worth is going to get rocked. And so there were lots of things given to help you to guard your heart and to guard your life, to set forth boundaries. I can't emphasize that word enough, boundaries, uh, as it pertains to your finances, as it pertains to your activities and your time, as it pertains to your volunteerism, as it pertains to... Uh, the way that you view these communities and how much you allow these communities to impact your life um, negatively or positively. But I will tell you that balance was an important part of that, that you need to have a life outside of these communities. And some people, the ones that have had the worst experiences are the ones that have, it's just been reckless abandonment where everything that they do and everything that they are is all wrapped up into this one community. And God didn't create you, even with it being a religious, having a religious nature to it, God didn't create you or me to only be one dimensional, that we only have one thing that we're, you know, absorbing ourselves in. If we, if we abandon everything else, then there's something that's wrong, even when it's in relationships. So we talked about that. We talked about the fact that we need to keep an eye out for modern slavery and I am telling you, the more that I talk about this and the more people that even in my still with my pastoral care practice, when I hear about even training sessions that are happening to literally train up slaves or servants that work in these religious communities, like this is not something that I'm being dramatic about. Like it's really happening. And we're not even talking about places that are considered to be cults. So look for signs of modern slavery. And also we talked about authority. We talked about how authority has a negative connotation in so many different places and, and people's experiences. When they hear authority, they think about somebody who's abusive or somebody who just, you know, with their muscles or their title or their office or their badges or whatever will just, you know, coerce or exert their authority onto other people. But the truth of the matter is, is that, Authority is meant to be something that we can use to advocate for other people, where we can be positive leaders that are humble, that we can bring humility into with the episode on with all my heart. No, it's talking about a leader from a, a show in a movie, a leader who realizes that it's sobering to be a leader and to be somebody in authority. It's not something that we get cocky about or shouldn't get cocky about, because if you really think about leading people, there's something very sobering about that. It's a huge responsibility. And those are the leaders that are going to have the greatest impact. And so I just want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to those episodes, please take the time to do that. But we're gearing up now for a new season. And I'm so excited about it. Season two of That Which Matters. And we're about to do a series of episodes on emotions. I just want you to know that your emotions are valid. 
you are allowed to be angry or to have fear or to have sadness or to have disappointment or whatever the case may be. You are allowed to do that, whether you're male or female, whether you're in transition, no matter who you are, what you feel is valid. And we're going to talk about how emotions can be validated, expressed, and also put in their rightful place. And so I'm excited about it. We're going to be talking about those to come. And thank you so much for being a very dedicated listener. In collaboration with IML Productions, this has been your host, Ginger Wilk, with That Which Matters. Thank you for listening.